Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast. The following is a conversation with Sam Harper, UX career coach and founder of Conscious Career Shift. Near the end of 2020, Sam released an article titled 10 Sobering Realities Every Brand New UX Designer Needs to Accept. This article really hit a nerve with the UX community, being featured on the UX Collective, and I highly recommend giving it a read. On this episode, we're going to focus in on five specific points from this article. Enjoy. Uh, for guidelines, we usually start off with an introduction. Uh, people will know you as the author of 10 Sobering Realities, every brand new UX designer needs to accept. This article was recently featured on the UX Collective in the second half of 2020. Uh, but I'd like to let you introduce yourself. Sam, welcome to the podcast. And can you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, thank you for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, so my name is Sam. I'm a UX designer in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I'm a frequent contributor to the uh, to Medium. I'm also a UX career coach. And the reason why why I came up with this article in particular is because I, I get a lot of people who connect with me on LinkedIn. What I'll do is at the end of every one of my articles, I actually put a link to my LinkedIn podcast, to my LinkedIn article, not to my LinkedIn page. And I say, hey, if you like this article, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I get a lot of people connecting with me. And I notice that everybody seems to be asking the same questions, you know, about like, what kind of boot camp should I attend? What kind of, um, you know, these are my expectations coming into UX. And I've noticed that everyone was kind of asking the same thing. And from that, that gave me, that gave me an idea that, you know, everybody is actually facing very similar problems when they're coming into UX. And how can I, best write about that to in to help people like level their expectations and then also to to really like set the tone for what these people are asking in the first place and that's how that's usually where a lot of my content comes from okay fantastic um so you in addition to writing these articles and making your knowledge available to the community you also have a day job so you work at intrata could you tell us about what the day-to-day life of a ux designer looks like yeah, so I would say it really depends on like where you're working. So before I came to Intrada, I was actually working full time at agencies, which basically means you know they were web agencies. So essentially, what that means is that imagine if you work for you work for a a company that does does like contract work for you know Nike and and like all these other ranging from like little mom and pop shops to like Walmart. Essentially, they'll come to you and they'll say, hey, we've got this issue with our site or like we just, you know, it could range from like we just want you to do this little usability study to like we want a fully redesigned site. And so you will then you and your team will essentially then work on that, get it out the door. The client's happy, then you move on to the next one. Sometimes you're working with like two or three projects in tandem. It's very fast paced. Uh, it's <laughs> agency life is not for the faint of heart. Part of that, like I'm actually happy because I'm happy that my current role is actually an in-house software role where you are just, you know, instead of working for like Nike and Walmart and like all these other companies and just doing these, this little like project, doing these projects for them. Now you're just working at one company and just working on their stuff. So I'm in an in-house software role right now. So we essentially help property managers uh, to manage their units more effectively. And in my current job, I mean, again, I just started it like a few weeks ago, but uh, so far it's been a lot of user testing. It's been, uh, I eventually see like once we've got that, we're essentially just 
doing doing a lot of this user testing on our software to figure out you know how we can make these certain areas better what's gonna what's gonna work better for our customers uh that would eventually lead into like more user testing and then like some mock-ups of designs and then testing those mock-ups and just rinsing and repeating until we've got some really solid directions for where their software can move into you also say that you work in as a ux career coach uh, i haven't heard of that before please tell me what that looks like and what kind of services you offer and how people could possibly get in touch with you with regard to that yeah absolutely so as far as ux career coaching there's actually quite a bit of people who are doing this uh, so these are individuals who are like they've been ux designers for at least a few years or if not more and they are they're basically just like helping say like new junior UX designers to essentially get to get to that point that they need to be in their career, you know, to land that first job, to be able to uh, to be able to get like further, faster in their career than, you know, they might be getting maybe because they're not getting mentorship. It's really just basically about like helping, you know, helping a lot of these like these new UX designers is what I do. To get in touch with me, I would say just like contact me on LinkedIn and uh, we'll go from there. I'm still setting out my landing pages and everything, so it's not perfect. Okay, cool. Well, dude, it's really great to have you on. As I mentioned during the introduction period, it's really like, I love what you're doing. And I think that you've added a lot of value to the UX community already with the 10 Serbian Realities, but you've also sent me some other links to some other articles you've wrote. So I really I look forward to reading the rest of your articles and I hope to read more possibly long form articles from you in the future and maybe some other, maybe a book. Today, we're going to be really digging into one of your articles, which is, as I mentioned, the, the 10 sobering realities every brand new UX designer needs to accept. Uh, there have been five specific points that have really resonated with me uh, and that resonated with uh, my community and the, my context that I'd love to dig into a bit, for, uh, a bit later. But first, I'd like to chat about the current reality. And this would, you could almost consider this as the introduction to this article. I want to pull out one specific part, and I'd like to just ask you a couple of questions relating to it. So you say here in the article, however, there are a ton of hard truths that anyone even thinking about this field needs to accept. And it's not nearly as rosy as it's made out to be. Could you just position why you wrote this article and why you think there is a need for these kind of basic hard truths to be have to be shared online absolutely so really the reason why i came up with this is because you hear from a lot you know whether it's from business insider or you hear it from these boot camps from their marketing material or you hear it from uh you know sometimes even from these ux career coaches they will say like oh tech is tech and ux design in particular is the great field to get into you're going to make 100k right off the bat you're, it's going to be so happy and so fun and you're just going to be playing in these like startup like environments and it's you know i'm not going to say that there aren't like certain elements of truth to those but it just i've noticed that it's very over exaggerated to the point where it gives people unrealistic expectations and they almost think that it's just it's an easy way out of some other career that they studied for that they don't like really what i wanted to write about is like no this is i mean this is a good field to be in but it's like any other field in a lot of ways. Like you do have to work hard. There's gonna be times where you're not gonna be making much money. There's times where you're gonna to wanna to pull your hair out and like scream because you're just so frustrated. I wanted to, really wanted to just like dispel a lot of, a lot of those myths that I think people are bombarded with so they can have a more balanced 
opinion, not to turn them off from UX design, but to say, hey, look, you know, you heard a lot of these great things about UX, but this is what I've observed about it. Some of it's some of what you're hearing, in my opinion, is not exactly true. So I want to give my take on that. I love how you end off the introduction and you say that knowing your limitations quite well will benefit you in the long run. So although some of it might be a bit uncomfortable and it might seem like, oh, flip, I'm not I'm not going to go straight into a six figure salary working at Google or Apple. But actually knowing these things and not just going in with an uninformed perspective is actually helpful to you in the long run. Uh, ignorance is is uh, is not bliss. <laughs> Absolutely. Knowledge is bliss, even if it's painful. <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned during the introduction of your article is this perception that there's quite a low bar to entry to get to the field of UX. Some of the marketing material will say that tech companies will be scrambling over each other to throw money at you and to want to bring you onto their team once you graduate. Uh, anyone, anyone can do extremely well within this field. It exaggerates this thing of there being a lot of demand for brand new UX designers. Is, some, is this something that you've seen within your time within the industry? And do you think that it's true and helpful? Absolutely. So yes, I have seen this quite a bit uh, where there's, there's a lot of people who just like, they hear that you could just, you just have to do a 12 week boot camp, and the bar to entry is just set at such a low standard. Like you just have to take this online course. You just have to do this 12 week boot camp. The truth is that there are some elements of being a UX designer that are really like absolutely critical. You know, you have to be able to look at data. You have to be able to understand, understand analytics of how people are behaving. You have to be able to think critically and question what you're looking at and test and retest, you have to be able to, you have to be able to come up with designs that actually further the business. Uh, a lot of people forget that, you know, they forget your number one client, which is actually, you know, it, it may be the, the users and you hear that term a lot, but it's uh, the big part of it is it's actually the company that hired you in the first place. They are a big, big user. So, you know, you're not getting paid to, to essentially just play around in a virtual sandbox and just, you know, make, make a button a certain way so that people will convert a little over, you know, convert over faster. It's like, that's fine, but how does that help the business? It, it's individuals like that, that they forget about who they're designing this for, or like why they're in this business. And it's, it's not to, you know, it's not, because they want to just because they want to like play around and have fun. It's like, because you're getting hired to essentially do a job. Sometimes you'll get, you'll get the wrong people in this field who just think that UX is graphic design and that because this was a low bar to entry, that it's just going to be, you can just do this little certificate and then it'll be easy. Do you see it as being a low bar to entry in your experience with working in companies? Are companies just hiring? There's a disconnect. What I'm going to say is like, I think that there's a disconnect between the low bar to entry to the material that people are trying to sell, you know, whether it's coaching or whether it's uh, the UX boot camps or whether it's like these online classes that teach you how to become a UX designer and what the industry wants. Industries want seasoned UX designers, especially UX managers is actually the big one that they're looking for. And unfortunately these, these boot camps and these, uh, the, essentially this, a lot of this material that people are trying to sell you, it's saying that, no, you don't, you know, you don't need experience. You just need to like take these courses and then you're good to go. 
really, I, what I would tell people who are genuinely interested in UX design, who have read my articles and still say, yes, this is where I want to be. What I would say is like, just go out there and start making real life projects. That's what's going to distinguish you. Not these, like, not this theoretical stuff. You know, theoretical stuff is like, it's like the difference between writing on the teacups in Disneyland versus the real world stuff that's like being in a live version of Mad Max. You know, they're so, so different. And it, it, if, you know, if UX design is for you, go out, do stuff in the real world, test it with real people, like get your hands dirty, fall down. That's important. You know, how do you, uh, how do you handle these situations that go sideways is a big thing that I think companies really want to see. Uh, like, how do you recognize these limitations? How do you deal with these imperfect world scenarios that you just cannot get with theoretical projects? Okay, that's fantastic. And with that, I'd like to head into the first of the points that I've cherry-picked uh, from your article. I've picked five, so I really would encourage listeners to go and read the rest and go and read and enjoy this article. But the first point is, you are not yet the ideal candidate that companies want. Basically, what you're saying in this section is that uh, although you may be very excited and you may be very ambitious and passionate about design, about UX, you've done this course, you've studied university, and you realized, actually, this, this, could, be a, this could be a good fit for me, you're going to have to go through a period of sort of earning your stripes first. And you, you haven't arrived and you're not um, as good as you think you are just yet. Could you tell me a bit about this first point of you are not yet the ideal candidate that companies want to hire? Absolutely. So as far as... That that goes back to what we were talking about previously. So when you when you come out of a boot camp, you don't really have any generally any experience in real world experience in UX design. And these companies do want usually between three to five years of experience. Again, because they want you to be proven, proven in the real world. They want you to be able to handle these situations that go sideways. They want to they want to know that you can you can work well with a team and what I think is really interesting, I remember watching watching a leadership video that was talking about, uh, it, it was like this experiment where they had a bunch of people who uh, they asked them to do a specific task. And then, you know, would you just ask a whole group of people and nobody's doing it? Guess what's going to happen? They're not going to do it until you finally get that one person who might be, it, it, this was like an activity they did at like a summer camp. They asked them to like climb over a log or something and then like, one of one of the individuals finally went over and then guess what the whole group sees it and they're like oh that person did it now i won't feel as awkward if i go do it so then the second person goes and then the third person goes and it kind of gives like the group uh the confidence to be able to to essentially complete this task it's the same thing i feel that it's the same thing when you're going out to the market for the first time and you're trying to convince people to take a risk on you you know you initially there's going to be that hesitation people are going to be like oh this this person's new i don't know if i want to i necessarily want to like touch them bring them on my wrist on my team because they are new people are high risk candidates as much as that probably sucks to hear it it's you know it, it's not going to be doing you any favors if i sugarcoat this so brand new ux designers usually are high risk or they're seen as high risk because nobody's really taken a risk on them in this UX role. They don't know if they're not going to be a good fit or anything like that. So again, this ties back to 
really, you know, first off, like I was saying, like have as much real world experience as possible. Something that, uh, something that you can show that says, Hey, this was out in the real world. I was testing this. I was thinking like a UX designer. Uh, and also, and I wrote another article that was how, called how to dramatically increase your chances of getting, uh, getting your next job, even if you have no experience. I would read through that as well. That talks about the value add projects in very, very in depth as to how you can increase your chances. Um, yeah, it's re it's really when you're when you're in that new state, that stage of being a new UX designer, your job is essentially to bridge that gap between I just graduated and I am you you know qualified for this junior for this junior mid level role, whatever you're trying to get into. I love the way that you you phrased it. I've never heard someone describe a candidate as being high risk. But I think it's quite a helpful way of thinking about it. Sometimes when people are looking for jobs, they'll be like, oh, like it's so difficult to, 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 to get a job and to get a role in UX. But you're not thinking about the, as you mentioned earlier, that the business is a user and that the business has certain needs. And it almost deep, uh, it depersonalizes it, where it's actually like, actually, you are a high-risk candidate because they don't know whether hiring you, paying your salary, doing all the other admin that it takes in that is associated with hiring someone uh, going through that whole process of hiring you there's a there's a risk that it might not work out and if you have no track record they could be spending a lot of money a lot of time who's to say also that i mean it's not just the money that would go into you as a person but also the money that they maybe spent on a project that you during your learning phase botch so you need to build up this sort of foundation to show that actually i am not high risk or that I am less high risk, I, I, I'm, I'm the risk that you are looking for. <laughs> yes, exactly. Every, every hire is gonna be a risk, um, but what's gonna be, what's really important for the new, the person who is trying to land their first role is to essentially like lower that risk factor as much as possible. Show them that you are a solid, safe choice. Uh, again, it's not gonna be, it's probably not gonna be perfectly, completely safe, but you know, bring in these examples from like your previous career. If you don't have any current UX experience, show that you have done UX in the real world, show that you have dealt with these not so perfect situations that you can pivot, that you can adjust, that you can work on teams. That's, I mean, again, like, even if it's just like a little internship you did, like that's better than nothing. Mm. I guess that leads us straight into point two then. How do you reduce your risk? How do you make yourself as marketable as you can be to prospective employers. And uh, your second point is, you don't have a lot of bargaining power right now. Uh, Sam, how do we go about developing and accumulating this bargaining power when we're still very junior? Yeah, so first off, what I want to say regarding that point is that you'll see, you hear all the time about, uh, I mean, I'm calling from the United States, and of course, San Francisco is our big, big tech market. So you get a lot of people who are saying, oh, I got to go out to San Francisco to get my UX career started. And the problem is, is like when you're trying to, uh, there's these tech markets that have like very, I feel like they've got, they've got a pretty high barrier to entry. I don't want to speak like generally because I know some people do get their career started there, but for the most part, there's a lot of like senior UX designers, people who are really, really skilled in San Francisco and it makes it difficult for these brand new UX UX people who are in like Toledo, Ohio 
to go get a job in San Francisco. And it's, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to hit home that point that when you're starting out, you don't really have the bargaining power to get that salary you're trying to get, to get the, uh, to go in that, that particular geographic area. Uh, you really got to, you got to start out somewhere. And at least like in my personal experience, uh, I found that starting out in an area that was not as, it was not as like strong of a tech scene. You know, I actually got my first, my first job in a little city called Knoxville and in Tennessee. And that, I mean, they, they're not really known for like a very strong tech scene, but I got hired out there, got a couple of years of experience that gave me that bargaining power that I needed. So really what I'm going to say regarding this is like, be open, be flexible. Uh, I often tell people, imagine, uh, to imagine if you were offered a position, your first UX position, but it's out in the middle of nowhere. Let's say like it gets boiling hot in the summer and it gets freezing cold in the winter. There's not like a lot of people there. Your needs are met, but all of your, you know, your desire, you're not going to be living in like Los Angeles or like some really nice city, but you're getting UX experience. Would you do that? That's is what that's actually like a very good way that I can use to determine whether how serious someone is to breaking into this market. I've told that I've posed that question to people who said, yes, I absolutely would. And I say, great. That's like, that's your first step. <laughs> uh, and similarly, I've talked to people who are like, no, actually, I just want the six figure salary and to live in San Francisco. And if I can't have that, then screw it. And those are the people who I, I personally like, I would put a red flag on because again, like getting into UX, regardless of what anyone tells you, it's a process. You have to, you have to put in the work. You have to sometimes deal with these low salaries. You have to deal with shitty bosses. You have to, it's like, like I said, it's any, it's like any other job. I think this thing of coming into industry and, and expecting that it's going to be incredible success right from the beginning and expecting that you don't need to pay your dues is you don't look at any other industry and see that happening you don't look at law engineering or medicine you don't look at those industries and see that people can jump right in from the beginning and within one to five years have ascended the ranks become a, a senior level or a director or whatever because they've had a couple of successful projects no people will develop skills over many 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 years what I'd like to do is I'd like to jump to the ninth point that you made. But before we do that, I want to read something. You say in your article that while there's nothing wrong with realizing that you don't like your current profession anymore, it is vitally important to stay humble and realize that you don't get to dictate the market. In fact, it is more of the opposite. So your ninth point says that don't become a UX designer just because you want to escape your previous career. And something that I've seen a lot of is people wanting to move into UX because they don't like the degree that they or the the field that they are currently working in um, and that ux almost becomes this promised land where you get incredible salaries where you get to work remotely and manage your time where you get to work on expensive computers and it's like all of these things that get brought into it but not often the actual day-to-day -day work gets brought into it could you speak to this thing of um, your, your ninth point, which is don't become a UX designer just because you want to escape your previous career. 
Yeah, and again, the reason why I mention this is because a lot, in fact, the vast majority of people I see are actually coming into UX because they're changing careers. And I know that, I know a lot of people will change careers, just not necessarily because they're super excited about the previous career, but because they're unhappy with where they are. Uh, you know, in, in politics, you hear people say, like, they don't vote for the person they like, they vote for they vote against the person they hate. <laughs> and uh, I mean, as far as, you know, people, they'll get out of like nursing and accounting degree fields because they didn't like where they were. But the problem is if you're running away from something that wasn't working out for you, then who's to say that going to that new, you know, going to that new UX job is necessarily going to solve your problems. It doesn't like it's, you know, I've, in my case, like my, not all my problems have necessarily been solved by becoming a UX designer. I know that's the case for a lot of other people. Uh, it's, you know, if you're not happy with where you are, I say first, like, understand why are you not happy? Is it your coworkers? Is it the, the prospect? Like, um, and then probably try to make that work. And if you still cannot make that work, uh, really evaluate like is this a field that you you know is ux design really a field that you want to get into because you may i don't know maybe you'd be more happy happy as like a firefighter or like a teacher or something yeah i think i think it's important to to try and evaluate whether something actually is a good fit for you not just from the benefits that would come out of it um are there any traits that come up that you think really exemplify what a ux designer should be the kind of skills that you'd like to see within uh, people who want to be moving into UX or maybe some designers who you think of as being excellent designers, what, what traits do they exemplify? Or what can people sort of assess within themselves to see whether they sort of have those? Yeah, so I would say the biggest thing is it's this really like this huge level of curiosity. So, and again, that for me, the way I interpret that is these are the people who are willing to look into problems and research and evaluate and then say, oh, we found this little interesting nugget of insight. We're going to do another test. Oh, we found this. Uh, we're going to start forming, you know, forming some hypotheses around these. We're going to keep testing it. We're going to put out a prototype. Uh, one of my former bosses said that the best UX designers are those those annoying kids that would just constantly ask why, 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 when they were young. I would say like the best, the best skill that I see in UX is the people who are really willing to dive in deep and really understand like what is the problem they're trying to solve and actually move towards solving it. It's not about pretty design. It's not about put, uh, you know, it's not about like making a button look nicer, making an interface look nice or anything. People confuse UI and UX all the time. Uh, for me, it's just, it's about, you know, can this person ask the right questions? Can they move in the direction that the business or the, the product they're working on needs to move into? Uh, I was working on a healthcare project beginning of this year. And the senior designer that I was working at said, well, congrats. You now need to become an expert on this particular product within healthcare. And suddenly we had to research everything to do with, um, with sort of inventory management solution. I was like, actually, like, congrats. You now need to become an expert on everything that there is to possibly know about inventory management solution. So it's not just about like making things look good. It's about really understanding the core of the problem, 
understanding the core of your user's needs, understanding the core of the business needs and why they're positioning this product. It's really been able to go deep. So I agree with what you're saying. Good UX is not just about flying on the surface level. It's about being able to become obsessed with a problem and to be really like digging into, like looking for solutions uh, and not just trying to sort of fix things on a high level because you can't, you, you can't, there's no ways you can fix something. And there's no ways you can come up with a good solution if you don't truly and deeply understand the problem. The only way that you can build simplicity is if you understand the need. Uh, so yeah, man, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think the, the last points, I actually want to combine them because I, I view them as being very similar. So point six, you say you are a junior UX designer at best. And point seven is you probably know far less about UX design than what you think you do. Something that I've seen uh, is quite common, and I've even seen it within myself, is where uh, you you think that you're further ahead than what you are. And within the article, you refer to uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Can you please refer? Could you please tell us a bit about the Dunning-Kruger effect and how you see it relating to the world of UX design? Yeah. So the Dunning-Kruger effect, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically this chart that highlights that or it, it was some research that I believe it was done in the late 90s that highlights that when people don't know very much about a particular subject, they think they know everything. And then the further along they get, the more they realize how much they didn't know. And so you kind of go through this, uh, this first peak, which is like the, it's almost like the, uh, the fake wisdom you know, when, when you initially start and then you quickly realize, oh my God, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And then you go down to what's called the valley of despair. And then the more you learn, you do get a little bit more confident, but it's in this gradual, more realistic slope. And so that's what the, that's what the Dunning-Kruger effect is. And in, in some of the charts I've even seen where uh, the peak of the peak of what you thought you knew that you didn't know is actually higher than, you know, if you're like 20, 30 years in and you're at what's called the plateau of sustainability. If you look at the chart, it'll, it'll make more sense as to what I'm talking about. Uh, but I see, I see a lot of people who are starting out in UX who think they know everything I've seen, you know, I, I'm, I always look puzzled whenever I'm looking at somebody's profile and then they, uh, they just graduated from a boot camp or they graduated from school like a year ago and now they've got director of ux on their on their linkedin profile I'm like what where did that come from i'm not at that point i've been in the field for a few years yeah <laughs> um, so like imagine you you're listening to you you've read this article and you're you've you've come out of a boot camp or you've come out of a graduate program and you you realize that you see a bit of this in yourself. You realize actually like maybe I've been thinking that I know more about UX than what I actually do. So how would you go about uh, recommend bridging the gap between the, the peak of Mount stupid. <laughs> I actually love that. Um, and uh, the plateau of sustainability. There's a, there's a long process there, but there, at some point you need to make the decision that you're going to say, actually, I don't want to be a hype based design anymore. I don't want to be just regurgitating things without knowing what they actually mean. How would you recommend bridging that gap and taking the first step to becoming more mature and uh, developing a actual UX acumen? Yeah. So the first thing I would, the biggest thing is to be aware of this. 
to be aware that when you're first starting out, you don't really know everything and that's perfectly okay. In fact, what I tell people is uh, the, first, the first step to enlightenment is to understand and fully come to terms with the fact that with how little you actually know. Um, I remember, I remember when I was first starting out and I actually was aware of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I was like, I am not going to fall trapped to this. I'm, I know I don't know very much at this point. I'm okay with that. I'm just going to like, I'm going to learn as much as I can, but I'm not going to be like call myself a UX director saying that, you know, again, like I, I see a lot of people who call themselves unicorns. They're saying like, oh yeah, I know I can do UX. I can do UI. I can do front end coding. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, okay, what's your background? And they're like, oh, I'm still in my boot camp. <laughs> like there's, I mean, for people who've been in this industry for a decade, they still can't do all that stuff. And that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, and I think this is especially, especially valid for, uh, yes, for like younger people who might be either coming out of college or transitioning into this career, but then also for people like in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s, who may have in their previous career may have been in these very high level positions. They may have been directors. They may have been like a CEO or like run startups or, you know, successful startups or something like that. And then they come into, they come into this and now they're junior and they're saying, what the hell, this isn't fair. It's like, guess what? Life's not fair. Sometimes, you know, if you make a career transition, you got to be able to start out at the bottom rung. Yes. You're going to be able to bring some valuable skills from your previous career, but at the same time, you're not, you know, you're not a UX expert at this point. So personal branding is incredibly important, especially in the, the modern day. And I think Chris Doe, said this incredibly well is he says that if if there's a couple of people that are marketing are marketing themselves in the space and let's just say you're the expert and then there's a five juniors if the juniors are marketing themselves better than you and they're promoting themselves better they're going to be the ones getting the work it's up to you to be able to put your work out there and to actually promote yourself you can't just expect people to come and find you even though you may have the experience, even though you may have done the hard yards and sort of developed character and discipline and a work experience within the UX field, you need to learn to promote yourself. You need to learn how to put yourself out there. But there's this really uh, sort of tender sort of gap to hold. You, you don't want to over-promote yourself and sort of climb and appear that you're peeking down everyone from Mount Stupid. But at the same time, you also don't want to be overly humble and to come across like, oh, you know, there's, because right now there's a, so many US designers who are, who are better than me or better than you, but still you're putting yourself out there. How do you hold this together and how do you promote yourself, but at the same time not come across that you think you know far more than what you actually do? Yeah, so that's a great point too, because I also do talk, talk to a lot of people who are getting into UX design and they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. They've got this you know, they've got the sense of imposter syndrome and they're saying like, oh, I, I don't feel like I'm really confident to be able to do this. What, you know, and it's important to, to hold a fine balance. You don't want to be on the peak of Mount Stu, but at the same time, you don't want to beat yourself up and say, I know nothing. It, it really is about finding that fine balance because you want to, you want to understand why you got here in the first place. What skills are you bringing into UX that are valuable? Uh, like in my case, I actually came from a wildlife sciences background. So 
that's why I'm very research focused. I'm very much about asking the right questions first and foremost, because that's what I was trained to do in a previous field, but I brought it into, into UX. And I do believe that people can come from these different backgrounds and bring something of value to it. So what I say is like, if you're feeling, if you're feeling the sense of imposter syndrome or whatever it is, realize what, first off, like, why do you want to get into this? Like what, you know, if it's not, if you're not getting into this because you want to make money, if you're getting into this because you're really genuinely excited about tech and this career, the end, then realize that, like, come to terms with that. And then also come to terms with what you're bringing into UX design that's going to make you as successful, successful in this field. Don't discount that because just because you may have applied to some jobs and they all said no, does not mean that you don't have something of value to bring. Uh, I actually, I really like this quote that, uh, that says you, not everybody is going to see your value. Don't let that person be you. Are there any red flags that, uh, that you can see? So you mentioned earlier that if somebody's very new in the industry, uh, they can say that, Hey, I'm in like after three years, they're a director of something. Are there any things that you as a UX designer, as someone who does a lot of career coaching, are you, are there any patterns that you see, that you see people, that you see people falling into? into which they just are putting themselves in a higher position than what they should be. So yes, I will say that I do see people who are trying to probably advance faster than they should. At the same time though, I look at like, you know, they start in a little startup where they were, they were actually one of the co-founders and they were really getting their hands dirty. I think that's valid too. Like if you're, if you're in a big major company and you're, you know, you started out as a UX and then you're gradually going to senior and everything versus somebody who's in a little scrappy startup. I think there is some valid, some validity in advancing faster when you're in, you're in a little startup because you're doing so much more than you would like in a big company. Uh, at the same time though, I think, again, it goes back to my point that you got to be humble and realize like, do what you know, don't, Say you know so much more than you actually do i really think like just being able to be upfront and like be authentic about like what you love what you hate what you like what you genuinely have experience in and what you're interested in and where you would like to be better i think that those are like simple things that you can get right but a lot of the times that actually falls through the cracks so the last question i'd like to talk about is this thing of difference between a junior and a senior ux designer could you in your mind quickly tell me about what you see as being a junior skill set and a senior skill set and how you can move between the two. Yeah, so I would say that the the junior skill set would be somebody who's like they're starting out for the first time, they're learning the ropes. They are they're probably like assisting on research, assisting on like these design patterns. Uh they might be you know, they might be like say adding to like if you've got a design library, they might be adding to that. They might be uh helping to create the wireframes that the senior UX designer has laid out the vision for. And then the senior is more of the person who's leading the project. They're the ones who are, uh, who are essentially like taking this shrouded kind of ambivalent cloud of a problem and then solidifying it into something concrete that they're then working towards. You know, the, the seniors are, they're really doing more of, more of the project leadership, at least from what I've seen in my, in my career and my personal experience. And they're the ones who are essentially helping the, the juniors and the, the mid-level people. Okay. That's fantastic. Sam, I really appreciate you 
coming on the show and sharing some of your wisdom. I'm leaving a, a link to your article in the show notes. People can go ahead and read it. People want to get in touch with you. How could they, how could they go about doing that? Yeah, so they can message me on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com slash sharper UX. Cool. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And there's also a link in my, in all my medium articles at the end. So you can, you can always just click on that link and it'll take you to my page. Yeah. Fantastic. Sam, thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much for listening. If you learned something from this episode and would like to hear more episodes in the future, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment so that other people can find this content. If you have any questions and would like me to answer them on an upcoming episode, go into the show notes where you can find a link to my Twitter page where you can ask me any questions that you have or even leave a voice note using the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to keep the user right where they should be first.